listening to Cap Conversation, the digital discourse of financial services today with Capco and guests. In this edition of the podcast, we'll be focusing on Capco's recently announced three-year partnership with Stevens Institute of Technology, one of the world's premier technology research institutes based in Hoboken, New Jersey. This new partnership will promote leading-edge research and education to support the fast-changing technological requirements of the financial services industry. Stevens' expertise in research around quantum technologies, machine learning, artificial intelligence, high-performance computing and security, blockchain, and natural language processing will be an important asset for Capgo as we continue our work to transform the digital profile of our clients. By bringing together the research and technology capabilities of both Stevens and Capgo, we are enhancing our ability to create innovative solutions to address our clients' most complex problems. Capgo has also been appointed as the consulting firm of record on Stevens National Science Foundation's FinTech Committee, and we will be working in collaboration with financial institutions to further progress research initiatives at Stevens and across the financial services industry. I'm very pleased to be joined by Leonard Langsdorf, CTO of Capco's Digital Labs, to discuss the partnership in more detail. Welcome, Len. Uh, so let's begin with the genesis of this exciting partnership. How, how did the partnership come about? Capco Digital Labs has had the opportunity to hire some great AI engineers out of Stevens. And through our relationship with these AI engineers and theirs with, the, with Stevens Institute, we formed this connection and it grew over time. Tell me more about the scope of the partnership, and in particular, the involvement of Stevens Hamlin Financial Systems Center. Under the partnership, Capco will develop a certificate program in financial analytics and also develop unique industry research. We're also going to benefit from the enhanced student recruitment opportunities in the future. And in turn, we will support the Institute through academic scholarships. We also have premier access to Stevens Hanlon Laboratory. The Hanlon Labs house some of the most sophisticated finance and data visualization technology in the world. The capabilities that are becoming critical for banks, investors, and regulators who need to make decisions faster and better. As George Calhoun, who is a director of the labs and the undergraduate quantitative finance programs at Stevens, he said, Together, we want to develop research that will assess how new and emerging technologies will continue to change the way companies manage risk, optimize portfolios, and execute trading strategies in automated high-frequency environments. I believe one project, uh, Stevens High-Frequency Trading or Shift project, is seen as potentially offering insights into uh, flash crashes of the securities markets. Yes, the SHIFT program is in its fourth year and is supported by grants from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group Foundation. It is an advanced market simulation platform that replicates the real-time, high-frequency behavior of modern automated exchanges. The platform will be a utility for Capco clients to test algorithmic trading strategies and other software programs intended to interface directly to the market, enabling predictive responses to potential disruptive events and identify potential regulatory measures to control or monitor patterns of market activity. And Shift is currently equities focused, but it's actually a multi-asset platform, correct? That's correct. Shift is currently equity focused, but the future of Shift will include all assets that can be traded on an exchange. And we really want to make this a global market. And it's felt that Shift may be valuable in moving things forward in respect to the CFTC's Reg AT and be more of a general benefit for regulators, correct? That is correct, Bobby. I mean, really, the Reg AT says, think of it as, as the FDA. So 
if you're, you can't just release a drug into the market, but right now you can just release any model, any algorithm trading directly in the market. And what the Reg AT is saying is we, we need to know how it's going to perform. So this system would help identify any potential issues for any algo trading that could enter the market. Oh, sounds fantastic, Len. Uh, what work still needs to be done on shift? So Stephen students have been doing a lot of work towards moving the initiative forward, and we've been working with them to run competitions across Stevens. And what, this, what these competitions do is they help us find these holes and the issues in the system. So we are going to work with the students and button it all up together. This all sounds fascinating, Len. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I hope everyone stays with us as we learn more about the Stevens Partnership from Floresco Ayanet, a research professor in financial engineering at Stevens Institute of Technology and director of the Hanlon Financial Systems Laboratories. Why don't you give us a little background about your life leading up to becoming a professor? So I'm from Romania. I started, uh, well, I've been in Romania since I was 26 years old. I came to United States to do a PhD in uh, statistics. And uh, basically in Romania, I grew up in communism. I was 17 when we had the 1989 revolution. So uh, up until the revolution, basically the two most successful professions in Romania uh, were doctor and uh, professor. Well, I'd love to know, why did you select math over the other uh, areas of studies? I mean, honestly, there's two reasons why. Uh, one, I really like mathematics. I found it uh, uh, very much uh, a pure domain where you actually have to think about uh, things, you know, mm -hmm. in a not corrupted way. So you basically bring something to the mathematics then you work it out completely within there. You don't have to worry about reality. You don't have to worry. And now that I'm actually older, um, I appreciated that kind of thinking even more because I think it's the only one thing that I discovered when I became a professor and started to teach and actually work with real-life problems is that you cannot solve real-life problems. You can't actually work with uh, houses. You can't work with bricks you have to make a model of these bricks. You have to measure them. You have to write them on a piece of paper. Once you do that, then you can pre perform operations. Then you can figure it out how much bricks you need to raise this house by one more level. You know, you need to do this calculation and you do that in a mathematical way. You don't do it in a iometric way. You know, you don't actually kind of guess, ah, you know, you pick up, pick up a piece of paper and then when you, when you do that, basically is this connection with reality, going from reality to mathematics, work things up in mathematical way, and then translate that back to reality that, that is fascinating to me. Because it allows you to, you know, to actually provide real solutions to real people. And now you, you know, you're at Stevens Institute, um, and you're, you're working in the Hamlin Financial uh, Systems Laboratories. You're specifically working with Shift. What is the need? What uh, is Shift trying to, to solve for? So the very first thing, the very first thing we created it for was uh, at the time they were talking about these uh, high frequency traders and how high frequency traders are bad for the uh, economy. Then there were some people that were saying, no, 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 high frequency traders are good for the financial markets because they provide liquidity. Other people were saying, no, they take liquidity, they're not good. So there's like no, you know, established thing. So we said, okay, we need to study what this happens in a realistic environment. So in order for mm -hmm. me to do that, I need to create the environment first. So that's what we've been working for so many years, creating the environment. Because it turns out 
to make an actual replica of a financial market, it's not easy. <laughs> Initially, we thought it would be like, you know, a one-year uh, thing, one-year project. So we got, uh, uh, first we started this project and we created like a proof of concept thing in about a year. And uh, then we got some more funds from uh, CME Group, CME Foundation. They have a foundation arm of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And they supported mm -hmm. this project. And that's when we did it, started to do it for real because... The prototype, basically, when we started to now put hundreds of traders in the system, would break the system. And there were, like, a lot of stuff that uh, would appear. So then we said, okay, it's a systemic thing. When we develop this, we develop, like, a one-year project. But everything has to be modular. So we scratched that, and we started to rebuild the thing in the, you know. So we rebuild it, and we create a solid uh, foundation for the project. And then... Uh, what happened is we said, okay, now we need to bring it to the people, to the people for which we make this. Because like you said, why do we make this? What, what is the purpose of all this? So the purpose is to basically allow, I mean, you see, it's one thing for me to do a research and write paper. What I really would like to do with this is allow you to take this system and experiment with it yourself. And in order for you to do that, you need to understand what the heck is the system. And how do I actually program in this system? And this system is not simple. It's really mm. complicated. So that was the second hurdle. When we realized that actually in order for you to do stuff in the system, you need to understand something like 200,000 lines of code. And you can't do that. That's impossible. Okay. This whole thing has 300,000 lines of code as of today. Wow. So uh, it's a real system and really complicated stuff. So that's when we started to introduce API into the system. So we introduced uh, these uh, 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 libraries, if you like, that you can install in your in your computer, and then now you have access to the uh, to sending orders and receiving orders and querying the system. And we create all this functionality, and it turned out to create this functionality, we had to rewrite the system again from scratch. So that was the second time we completely rewrote the the system. So we're now in the situation, really good situation. We've been running a competition for the second year in a row now. And, uh, you know, the competition runs fine. The system has, we have a server that I can't show you because it's on a VPN at Stevens that's been running nonstop for about half a year without breaking at all. So we have 200 traders, automated traders operating in the system. So, you know, everything is way more stable. So what we need help from, so after CME, uh, supported us for the first two, three years, I have two years actually of the project. Uh, they changed their policy and they said, well, we can't really support research anymore. We're going to only support education. You're not education, so we're very sorry. So that's when uh, you guys stepped in and then said, okay, uh, maybe we can help you. And I'm extremely grateful for Capco because uh, you guys do something that, that we don't know how to do. So if there, there, if there are people out there who want to use it, um, they would reach out to us and uh, ask for a, a walkthrough or, or a demo and, and sign up to use it. How, how would one go about doing that? What you guys have done is uh, you have a tremendous group of people who understand usability of a system, and particularly the user interface. So we never worried about user interface. We always assumed that the people who are working this system would be having, you know, uh, an undergraduate degree, a master's degree, and 
preferably a PhD degree and about 10 years of experience writing papers in this area. So those kind of people would, uh, you know, download the computer program and no GUI at all would be able to understand the, the functions and whatever. Do you think that because uh, multiple industries are beginning to embrace technology in a different way, um, that they're really going out and looking for more technically skilled uh, people in the market? Um, do you think that that, uh, do you, are you seeing that shift? It's no oh, more yes. just about doing spreadsheets and, but really understanding the technical elements behind what is powering these systems. Oh, yes. So let me tell you this, something that you may or may not agree, but I've been working in the financial industry. I mean, I've been educating people for the financial industry for the longest, right? So the reason why I, I truly believe this, the financial industry is the most sophisticated mathematics there is. It uses the most sophisticated, the stochastic calculus, the Ito formula, the Heston model, all this complicated mathematics that we teach. It's no parallel in any other domain. Do you think it's because uh, we can't teach machines to think like a human because um, we haven't been able to teach machines how to have emotion? Because I think some of the variables that might come into play might be emotional-based um, variables, correct? No, it's not. No. That's not it at all. No. It's no, nothing to do I'm with way off. No. no, you're <laughs> way, way off. Now, emotions, of course, emotions are something that we don't know. We have no clue. They have to no. be... The, the problem that there is, is I think the fundamental problem is a machine cannot think for itself, period. Mm -hmm. It cannot take any decision unless you actually program that decision into the machine. So when the machine, the machine can do classification at this point, okay? So you can look at things and you can say, okay, this is a pen, this is a whatever. Now, if you want to do clustering, clustering is basically I have a blob of points and I want to decide this is a group and this is a group and this is a group. The problem is it can do that, but it doesn't know what this group represents. See? And when it gets to that level and says it can abstract, uh, it can extract abstract notions that say, okay, this group is different because it's made of red things. Something that you as a human can understand immediately, right? The machine cannot do that unless you program it into it. So the point is, the machines that we have at the moment is everything has to be programmed. Even the reinforcement learning thing, right, which is one of the most sophisticated learning algorithms that are there, if you, yeah. you as a programmer need to implement the reward function, if you change the reward function a little bit, you get completely different results. Things don't converge. Things so there is... There is no such thing as automatically correcting and understanding a deeper level. It's nothing to do with emotions. It's more to do with the way the human brain functions. You know, when you, I think, I mean, I thought about this problem for a long time. And, you know, I've been, if I had time and if I had, you know, like the Amazon uh, resources or like Facebook resources <laughs> or whatever, I would definitely uh -huh. do something about it. If anyone knows Jeff Bezos, uh, pass along uh, Professor Florescu's uh, information, please. <laughs> so with, with all of this, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's currently in the industry working who um, may not have the technology background? What, where, where do you think they should start beginning to develop that, that uh, foundation? And do they even need to go back and start to teach themselves that that? Uh, provide themselves with that, that foundation in, in technology? That's a very good question. 
I actually I've seen this uh, in the financial industry in 2005. So 2005, 2007. What happened is there was the dot com crisis in 2001 that kind of break the market, and there was at the same time the introduction of this ECN, electronic communication network, or something like that. Basically, uh, the allowing any trade anybody to trade on the market without going to the broker so before this ecn introduction you would go to a broker and the broker would trade on your behalf which means that the broker had the ability to skim from you so he would basically you know you would trade five uh, shares but he can only trade in multiples of 100 so he would say okay i'm just going to give you the price of the uh, the price of the shares right now to you and I'm going to hold on to those five and I'm going to collect them until I can trade on the market. So he could technically trade with you on the behalf of the market. And then he would trade later at a much more appropriate price, let's say, for himself with the actual market. So he wouldn't hold any, uh, you know, inventory. But the fact that he can delay this trading with you would present tremendous opportunities for them. So there would be like, you know, charge, everybody was doing that. And so because of this, in 2005, the U.S. market introduced a rule NMS that says you cannot trade with, a, uh, with this entity if there's a better entity somewhere else. It's illegal. So that completely changed. So it fundamentally transformed the financial market. It makes it, it made it possible for people to trade directly with the exchange, which meant mm -hmm. that all the transaction fees started to go down. And everybody started to be, uh, you know, uh, if you couldn't keep up with the technology, you were out of business. What area do you think uh, nowadays people should should focus on? So I, this is, I'm a little bit biased in this, okay? Because like you said, my background is mathematics. So I truly believe mathematics is the power that drives everything. And uh, mm -hmm. what I say is in finance, the area that I work on, there's a lot of people that are used to talk to people, Okay. So financial advisors, managers of money, stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, it used to be, I come to you, I need to convince you to give me your money so I can invest in your behalf. All I have to do is convince you that I'm doing a good job, right? So I would show you my portfolio and you would believe me. And that works with the old generation, but the new generation now is much more sophisticated. So you're going to ask me, okay, so how are you going to invest me? what are you going to invest in that I can't invest myself? Why should I, you know, bring the money to you? Why can't I just yeah. use Robinhood or something else and just invest into a portfolio on my own? So I think at this point, these all generation of finance people that don't really understand the models that are used to, uh, you know, they were like kind of like psychologues. I actually work with psychologists. I, I'm, a, you know, I, I need a much better understanding of a human being rather than the instruments that I'm actually using to produce money for you. So I think that job needs to change. And I think that job needs to be more sophisticated, needs to understand mm -hmm. more about the models that are created. So I think those kind of people would need to go back to school and learn a little bit of statistics, a little bit of mathematics, to be able to explain to the people that they work with, you know, what they're doing. And in fact, so how, the, how the client might, like, I'll tell you, I've been teaching these kind of guys for an asset management company, doesn't matter. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that, that happened in this course is one of the, you know, some of the students basically came to me and said, this course is really interesting. It made us rethink 
uh, how we invest our portfolio. It actually make us question, made us question this data provider that was giving us these rankings of the stocks. And then we, we looked into it and it was really interesting and illuminating what, what, what we discovered. So I think it's, um, I think it's a good thing. I really truly believe it's a good thing. I think that in the end of the day, if you, if you see like everybody's before this coronavirus crisis, right? What was the, in the finance at least, everybody was thinking there is a financial crisis coming because it's been last financial crisis was 2008. It's been 11 years. We've never had 11 years period of growth in the history of the United States of America. So there's a crisis coming. Nobody knew. And the thing is, I think the long period like that was like that because of the huge technology change that happened in 2007. After the financial crisis, they fired a lot of people. Everything had to be technologically advanced. Everybody had to be, you know, knowledgeable. So that actually automatically creates a healthy economy, I think. But I think in the end, we're going to benefit from all of this. I do want to wrap this up and say thank you so much for taking the time and, and talking with us. I'm, I'm hoping that, because I don't think we're done, I'm hoping that we get a chance to talk again, hopefully face-to-face, and, and talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the exciting work that we're doing to the, together at Stevens uh, and and all of the exciting things that you are working on um, with with that group. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Cap Conversation, a Capco production. This podcast is for information only and should not and does not constitute consulting services. (laughs) 